You are listening to episode three of Exit the Drinking Life podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the number one reason you stay stuck in the drinking life. Now, what do I mean by drinking life? You drink more than you want. You swear you're not going to do it again. You beat yourself up over it and you find yourself doing it again. Regret, shame, judgment, the life of the vicious cycle. And the number one reason you're stuck We're going to go into that on this episode. Are you finding yourself drinking way more alcohol than you ever thought you would? Are you looking for a way to make alcohol an irrelevant part of your life? Then stay tuned because my name is Debbie Talbert and I've been right where you've been. And each week I'm going to bring you episodes helping you to do just that make alcohol irrelevant in your life. Why do we drink more than we want to? The number one reason we actually end up drinking more than we want to, even when we have made a conscious decision to not do it, is because of belief. Now, let me go a little further into that. But the reality is, as humans, The only reason we actually do anything is because of how we believe something is going to make us feel, the emotional experience that we're going to have. And when it comes to some of our beliefs, they are so ingrained in us, in our subconscious level, that we're not even aware of them. And this is why beliefs are the number one reason that you keep drinking more alcohol than you say you want to. When I first started drinking, it was fun. It helped me relax. I thought it helped me have better sex. It helped me be more outgoing. It relieved my social anxiety. And if you guys have listened to the previous episode on the interview I did with Holly, as I'm doing the interview, I'm realizing that social anxiety was the reason that I started drinking in the first place. So for me, I had these deep, deep ingrained beliefs that I could be more social with alcohol and that my life was more fun with alcohol. And those are all these thoughts that I had that I was forming together over the years of my drinking that eventually went in to my subconscious And they became automatic responses from me and deeply ingrained beliefs. So when I was doing my best to make this conscious decision to drink less, and then I found myself drinking past more than what I wanted to drink, it was really because of a lot of things going on and with the beliefs that I had. And also this issue going on with what's called and known as cognitive dissident. So cognitive is means the way you think. And then dissidence means disagreement. So cognitive dissidence is where there's a disagreement in your thinking. And so our brain actually has many, many parts. And what we're really talking about is the conscious part of your brain and the subconscious part of your brain. And so consciously, you're aware that you're tired of waking up with headaches, or you're tired of the amount of money you're spending, you're tired of worrying about what did you say the night before, you're 
tired of thinking about alcohol. It's become so relevant in your life and you're really just tired of it. So you make this conscious decision to stop drinking, right? And so you think, aha, this is going to be easy peasy piece of cake. Well, if you're anything like me and you've tried before to drink less, you know that what I just said, easy peasy and piece of cake is not quite how it turns out. This is because of the other part of your brain, uh, the subconscious part. And the subconscious part, by definition, is unaware of. And your subconscious mind, it actually controls our emotions and our desires. And so um, a lot of those beliefs are stored in there and our conditioning and social conditioning based on the things that we've seen in the media, our parents, our friends, all the experiences that you've already had in your life around alcohol and how well they were actually working for you up until they were no longer working for you, up until you became consciously aware of how much alcohol was affecting your life and preventing you from doing the things that you would like to do, as well as how much energy and time you're taking on thinking about alcohol. Many of the beliefs that we now have on our subconscious level about alcohol, we didn't consciously actually decide on them. They, over time, just became imprinted in our in our brain. For example, take the belief that alcohol helps you relax. If you actually have believed this and formed this belief over time that it has helped you to relax, but you weren't really born with this knowledge, you just took this in and believe, started to believe it over time. And because you've had a stressful day, you come home, you have a drink, and you start to relax a little. And what that really is doing is the alcohol is getting in there and it is numbing parts of your brain. So yes, initially in the beginning when you first start this and you first start drinking, yes, it is going to help you to relax. But over time, what starts to happen inside the brain is you end up with this net negative effect because you are overstimulating the brain and then the brain sends out the chemicals and the hormones that it needs to help downgrade that overstimulation that you've done with the alcohol. And so once it does that, then inside your body, the relaxation side, the truth is you're really actually more anxious than you were when you started. And so as you're starting to notice that little bit of anxiety coming back up after you've had the first drink and it starts to kind of fade a little bit, it's really because of what's been going on in your brain chemically. And I go into that deeper in on the exit program that I have, the exit intensive that I have coming up. And uh, I'll give you details on how you can find out about that at the end of the episode. But what's going on there then, and then you end up actually worse off than when you had your first drink of the after of the evening and then you want another drink so that you can get that feeling again and then the body sends out that other chemical and then it comes in again but it all started with you having the belief that this alcohol was going to relax you and so it's become ingrained in your subconscious and there's many many other beliefs around it and so 
because our topic right now here is belief, and I'm keeping the episodes to as short as possible, 15 to 20 minutes, what I want to leave you with, and I want to encourage you to think about are what are your beliefs around alcohol? Do you believe that it helps you relax? Do you believe it tastes good? Do you believe it helps you have better sex? Do you believe it helps you improve your relationships? Now, on a conscious level, you might be starting to notice that those beliefs are no longer true. But where the number one challenge comes in and the reason the cognitive dissonance is there is because on a subconscious level, there are many beliefs that you have that are in conflict with what's going on on your conscious level. So I'm always inviting you guys to be your own detectives and your own scientists. And I want you to, you know, take out a piece of paper and consciously think about what do I believe about alcohol? And the best way for you to find that out, because a lot of these beliefs are so subconscious and the beliefs are formed by a collection of thoughts. So if you can start writing down your thoughts about alcohol, like just do it free from judgment, just as if you were a scientist taking in the data and start to notice your thoughts about alcohol. And then as you put a group of those thoughts together, what kind of belief would that be forming for you? And you're going to start to notice that your automatic beliefs and your automatic thoughts about alcohol are in conflict with your conscious beliefs of what's really showing up in your life on a conscious level right now around alcohol. For example, in my situation, I believed that alcohol would help me to relax as I was engaging with and meeting new people on all my trips as a flight attendant. And I was I was going to go downstairs and meet new people and go someplace at least so I wouldn't eat alone, but I'd only just met these people, say, eight hours earlier. And to help with my social anxiety, I believe that alcohol would help me to relax. But then on the other side, I also had started to notice that the drinking was giving me hangovers and headaches and helping me feel lousy. And so there are two conflicting desires there. That's where the cognitive dissonance comes in, to drink or not to drink. That's the question. And so this is the reason that we continue to drink more than we want to, even when we've decided to cut back. This is also why willpower doesn't work. No, Webster defines willpower as the definition is willpower is energetic determination. So that means that it takes energy, conscious thought and effort. And this is especially true if we're trying to stop doing something that we provide, we honestly believe provides us a benefit. And especially if that belief is deeply ingrained in our subconscious level. And the big problem with willpower is because it's energy, it does run out. So if you're utilizing that energy, say in my circumstance, I was utilizing a lot of energy to keep my thoughts to myself about some of the behaviors passengers were doing on the airplane. Or I was utilizing a lot of my energy to be socially outgoing at work and because of social anxiety. 
I'm really more of an introvert style of a person. So I was using a lot of energy to put myself in the space and the place and how I needed to be in order to use, to do my job as a flight attendant. And so when I was attempting to use willpower and white knuckle it to transform my relations with, with alcohol and to exit the drinking life cycle I had created for myself, eventually it would run out. And that's why I honestly, and I'm not the only one now with this belief, but I honestly believe we have got to get out of the willpower game, especially when it comes to changing our habits and our behaviors around alcohol. Let's pretend that we are doing our best to avoid sweets because we would like to eliminate some weight. And so then someone brings in to the office some delicious, amazing cookies and they smell so delicious. And before you know it, you have mindlessly grabbed a cookie and eaten it. And then what, you know, what happens? Bam, the dissonance comes in, right? Your brain cognitively decided you didn't want to eat sweets because you're trying to eliminate some weight, but you did it like on automatic. You just smelled the cookies. They looked delicious. Next thing you know, on automatic before you even realize it, you have eaten a cookie and now you have this internal conflict going on. And with this internal conflict going on inside your brain, the brain immediately tries to restore our internal harmony. And we do this in many different ways, right? We could change the behavior. We could vow desperately not to eat the cookie again. And then we could, or we could justify our behavior. Okay, well, it was only just one cookie. Or we could add in another behavior on the opposite side, right? After work, we're going to go and exercise a half an hour longer because we ate the cookie. Or we could delude ourselves and ignore the whole thing and just be like, you know, well, the cookies aren't really that bad. It's not like it's going to prevent me from eliminating this rate at all. It was just really a really small thing. But the truth is, internally, it brings about conflict. And that's where the cognitive dissonance comes in. And it's really bringing about conflict within us internally. And so as humans, we're hardwired to not have conflict. We don't really like conflict. So as drinkers, what do we do to numb this feeling of conflict that we have in ourselves? We drink. And then we have more internal conflict to get rid of that internal conflict and the nagging voices going on inside us just to keep it quiet we drink again, and then we have more internal conflict. And we end up in this whole entirely vicious cycle. And eventually it starts to spin out of control. And we are shaming ourselves, shooting all over ourselves, blaming ourselves. And I want you to know that it's totally normal. It's not your fault. There is zero blame necessary. There's zero shooting necessary. This is why willpower is going to be too challenging. Willpower is going to take too much energy. And willpower is not the way to go about the change. But unless we address the di dissidents, change is going to continually elude us. And the method that I use and I teach in the exit program, which you guys can find out about it at jumpseatcoaching.com forward slash exit. 
But what I want is what I teach and why it works is because we get to the subconscious root of what's going on and we work with the cognitive dissonance and this is where the change it almost a lot of people just feel like magic happened and it's a magical experience so today I want to leave you with okay so the number one reason you're in this turmoil is because of belief and our beliefs come with from a variety of thoughts and a lot of our beliefs are subconscious and a lot of our beliefs are really just not true but we are automatically right now on a subconscious level choosing to believe them and the only way that you can change a belief is through awareness so I want to leave you with today is to really be your own detective and to start writing down and becoming aware of what are your beliefs that you have around alcohol. And then I want you to take the model that I teach, and all the episodes are down, so <laughs> because we're redoing everything. But the model I teach is really, it just take the observation cycle. And I want you to take this belief and look at the belief and just ask yourself, is this belief really true? Is this belief still serving me? And you can start there. Start being aware of your beliefs. And then start asking yourself, what would be a better belief? And what I want to leave you with today is to really research the effects on the internet that alcohol has on the body. I really want you to start working on your beliefs about alcohol and what it's doing to you and what it does to your body and what alcohol does around anxiety, what alcohol really does with stress. And there's a lot of research out there. And by exposing that to your brain on a conscious level and then really analyzing your belief and checking it for truth is going to help you to start to work on this cognitive dissonance that's going on with you. And then that's it. I just want you to leave it there. You come back next week. We're going to go into part two on belief. And I'll give you another exercise to work on belief. And But I just want you to, after you do this a little bit, and even if you just do one belief a day, start to pay attention, start to observe. If maybe you don't, if maybe you start to notice, oh, well, I'm going to stop sooner than I did before. Just kind of feel out if from this awareness now about the cognitive dissonance, if even just that knowledge to you starts to make a little bit of a difference in what's going on with you and your relationship with alcohol and the habits that you would like to change now. I will talk to you guys again next week and I will let me know in email if you guys have topics you would like me to discuss to talk about and share about and also check out what's going on at jumpseatcoaching.com. You have been listening to Exit the Drinking Life podcast with Debbie Talbert. It is my honor, pleasure, and joy to come to you each and every week with insight, information, ideas, tools, and tips to help you exit the drinking life. If you'd like to know more about how you can work with me directly, then go to jumpseatcoaching.com and there you can find out everything I offer and how we can connect and work together directly.